You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. As you guys can probably tell from the title of this episode, we are discussing eating disorders today. If this is something that you might struggle to listen to and learn about at the moment, maybe skip this episode and come back if you feel up to it another time. There is also mention of self-harm and suicide in this episode. For free and confidential support, contact the Butterfly Foundation on 1-800-ED-HOPE, that's 1-800-334673, or contact Lifeline on 131114. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode. It is just me again today, no guests today, but let me tell you, we are going to have a few more in the future. Just quickly want to say hi to any new listeners. I cannot believe the amount of support that I've received for the podcast in the last few months. I am so excited and so happy and just so, so grateful for all of you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for learning with me. I hope that you feel like you are getting something out of these episodes. I am also stoked to announce that I will be taking some more time for the pod next year, which is just so fantastic. I bit the bullet. I was stressed. I was nervous. I was like, what am I doing with my life? But I thought, you know what? I'm young. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids. Let's bloody do this. (laughs) I'm actually going to be part-time at school. I was originally going to CRT all year. However, they did offer me part-time. So I will be taking that. So I will have a few days to really work on the health classes you missed to get a lot more going out of it. Now, I would not be able to do it without the support of you guys or, you know, I wouldn't even have this option if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you so much. And as always, if you do like these episodes, if you're enjoying it, please help me out. Share along with your friends. You're not only helping me out, but you're helping them out because they're learning about really, really important topics as well. We can keep learning together, keep doing this. But yeah, watch this space, especially going into the new year because your girl has plans. I've got plans for this. I'm working on some merch. I'm working on a journal, which was kind of halfway in the works anyway, but I'm not going to say too much. It is all a process. It is taking time, but believe me, we've got some things going and I'm just so excited. So thank you. Anyway, today's episode, we are talking about binge eating. Now we're going to a lot more of kind of a serious tone. Now, this is a topic that can be very, very sensitive or triggering for people. And it is so important to understand what eating disorders are, what binge eating disorder is, so that we can both recognize signs and symptoms in others and also in ourselves. According to the National Eating Disorders Collaboration, any person at any stage of their life can experience an eating disorder. In fact, more than 1 million Australians are currently living with an eating disorder. And of the many different types, 47% experience binge eating disorder. So this is a very, very common eating disorder. 
Now, this does not discriminate. Statistically, women are more likely to experience binge eating disorder or BED, which is what I will refer to it to uh, throughout the episode. But this is generally just thought to be because men are less likely to seek help for this problem. According to Better Health, though, the number of males diagnosed with eating disorders in general is actually rising. Now, you might hear that initially and think that's a really negative thing. Of course, it would be great if there was no statistics for eating disorders. However, looking at the fact that males diagnosed is actually rising can almost be looked at as a good thing. It means that men are seeking help for these problems and therefore able to get treatment and to get help. Whereas before, the numbers probably weren't that different. It just wasn't showing up statistically because men were less likely to seek professional help for eating disorders. So today we are focusing on binge eating disorder. So what is BED? Firstly, BED is a serious mental health condition and it is totally different to just eating a lot and kind of getting full every now and again. People with BED regularly eat large quantities of food in quite a short amount of time, even when they're not hungry. Now, this can result in people feeling kind of a sense of relief during a binge eating period, but afterwards can also promote feelings of being out of control and quite distressed. Now, a key trigger for BED or for binge eating episodes is emotional stress. This can be a huge trigger. For example, we see this kind of idea all the time, you know, people eating their feelings or, you know, eating heaps when they're sad or they've been broken up with or whatever it is in movies or in media. But when this becomes quite persistent or a way to deal with stress or it is totally uncontrollable, it is a really serious problem. And it's really important to note here too that eating disorders are mental illnesses. These are not choices that people make. They are mental illnesses. And of course, just like with all mental illness, there are risk factors to BED. Now, this is quite a long list, so I will just go through each one quite extensively just so we can really break them down. Now, the first one we've got here, which may be quite self-explanatory or people might have expected this, is genetics. So, People with an increased sensitivity to dopamine, and that might be a bit of a key word for you guys if you've listened to other episodes, dopamine is responsible for feelings of reward or pleasure in our brain. So people with an increased sensitivity to dopamine may be more likely to experience BED. That is because eating gives people that feeling of reward or pleasure, and they may feel like they need to do it over and over and over again, or do it a lot in order to keep those feelings going. In addition to this, according to Healthline, there is strong evidence that the disorder is inherited. So this just means that it can be passed down from person to person. The second one here is body image. So a person who experiences a negative body image is more likely to develop an eating disorder. There is a direct risk here. Now, this can include feelings of body dissatisfaction, using fad diets or overeating in general. These can all contribute as well. Now, dieting is huge. Dieting is a massive risk factor here. People often go really up and down with diets or fad diets that are totally ridiculous and totally unsustainable. And this is not their fault. These things are promoted. We have seen this on social media in particular, but it has been around for many, many, many years. Now, this can be a direct trigger for binge eating. 
A person may start a diet that is super restrictive, meaning that a person is going from eating maybe a, a you know, bunny ears here, normal diet to really restricting themselves. They might get hungry because that's very normal, only, you know, to break the rules of this diet. This can then lead to feelings of guilt or failure, and the cycle can just continue over and over and over again. If you are ever, ever starting any kind of diet, always consult your doctor or a nutritionist or dietitian first to see if it is right for you. Do not just trust people on the internet or ads that you see. Make sure you go and get professional advice. The next one I'm going to talk about here is emotional trauma. A stressful life event or anything along those lines can act as a risk factor to BED. In addition to this, being teased or bullied for your weight as a child can also contribute to any eating disorder, but to BED in particular. The next one is binge eating in the past. So of course, history of binge eating can lead to binge eating disorder in the future. So for example, if you experience this during childhood or during your teens, this may be a result of food insecurity growing up or having unmet needs earlier in life as well. And the last one here is other psychological conditions. So according to Healthline, once again, almost 80% of people with BED have at least one other psychological condition. Some of the more common ones here are phobias, depression, and PTSD. All right, moving on now, let's look at some signs and symptoms of BED. There are quite a lot of symptoms and these can be categorized into physical, psychological and behavioral symptoms. Now, some of the main symptoms that I touched on before include eating a large amount in a small amount of time, feeling a sense of loss of control. Again, this is more of a frequent occurrence and a lot, lot more severe than just overeating. Eating when not physically hungry, or having quite chaotic and unpredictable eating patterns. Now let's break down those three categories. This is both according to NEDC and Better Health. So physical symptoms, which just basically means signs in the body, include lethargy and not sleeping well, so being really tired, rapid weight gain or other changes in weight, stomach problems like bloating, constipation, developing of intolerances to food, stomach ulcers, pain in the stomach, diarrhea and cramping, and loss of libido, irregular or absent periods, and even infertility can occur in some cases. Psychological symptoms, so this is signs in the mind, this includes things like body dissatisfaction and feelings of shame about appearance. So this can also be linked to low self-esteem, having like a preoccupation with food. So not really thinking about much else. It takes up a lot of your time, your energy, your thoughts. This can be with food, eating weight and your body shape. A person may find they're very sensitive to comments about food or dieting or exercise or weight or body shape. Now you should avoid commenting on this stuff about a person anyway, but a person experiencing BED may be particularly sensitive to these things. A distorted body image or something called body dysmorphia may occur as a result of BED, and some people can experience depression and anxiety as well. Behavioral symptoms include hoarding food or food disappearing. So you might notice that food is missing if someone around you is experiencing BED. 
This comes from having really secretive behaviors around food. People might feel like they need to hide how much they're eating or hide when they're having a binge eating episode. A person may have really erratic behavior around food. For example, they might steal food. They might spend ridiculous amounts of money on food. A person may avoid discussions about eating or weight. Again, I think a lot of people probably don't want to discuss weight, so it's important to not think it's okay to just talk to other people about this in general. However, this is something, again, that may be particularly sensitive or a person might really, really want to avoid these discussions if they are experiencing BED. Uh, Self-harming behavior is also common, so this could look like substance abuse or other forms of physical harm to the body. And social isolation and negative feelings towards activities that maybe were once enjoyed can also occur. It's important to understand that a person experiencing BED may not have every single one of these signs and symptoms. There might just be a couple, maybe they're more behavioral than they are psychological. It just totally depends on the individual. But if any of these things are shown, it is really important to identify this early and get help as early as possible. Moving on now, we're going to learn about some of the long-term effects of BED. So these are all physical, social, psychological, and emotional. Now, BED is directly linked to risk of weight gain and obesity. So according to Healthline, up to 50% of people with BED are classified as obese. The disorder is also a risk factor for obesity in itself due to increased calorie intake during binge eating episodes. There is an increased risk of heart disease, diabetes, sleep problems, chronic pain, and mental illness, which we touched on before. Again, a risk of kidney problems, even kidney failure, digestive problems like IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, and even cancer. There is a risk of self-harm or suicide, like we talked about. In women, there is actually a link between BED and risk of fertility problems, pregnancy complications, and the development of PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. A person can experience really prolonged feelings of shame, of guilt, and of self-loathing, which can, of course, lead to many other problems. Now, all of this, so an increased risk of illness, as well as an increased risk of social isolation, means that BED can seriously affect a person's overall quality of life. And that can be very, very hard to come out of or to stop that cycle, which is why I said before, early intervention is always best. Does this mean that a person going through this for a long time cannot come out of it? Absolutely not. Of course, there are always support channels available. There is always treatment available, especially in Australia. We are very, very lucky to have the healthcare system that we have here. However, if you are noticing these signs and symptoms, whether that is in yourself or in other people, don't wait. Talk to someone about it. Get support. Try and help in the best way that you can. Early intervention is best. Let's move on now to talk about diagnosis. So to be officially diagnosed, a person must have had at least one binge eating episode per week for a minimum of three months. That is to be officially diagnosed by a GP or other mental health professional. There are different severities of BED. So these range from mild, which is about one to three episodes a week to extreme. So this is classified as about 14 or more episodes per week. According to Healthline, and I am directly quoting here, 
Another important aspect of BED is not taking action to undo the eating afterwards. So for example, unlike a person with bulimia, which is another eating disorder, a person with BED does not throw up, take laxatives or over-exercise to counteract the binging episode. So there's just a really important distinction there between bulimia and BED. Now, if you go to the doctors to be diagnosed, a doctor will do a full examination. They may do blood tests and they will ask questions about well-being, your health, your history and your current lifestyle. And as I said before, recognizing and understanding signs and symptoms early is always best and you should always, always seek help from a medical professional. And of course, as we talked about, we have many treatment options in Australia. So let's go through those now. Importantly, treatment needs to help both physical and mental health. It will need to address your physical factors, your emotional factors, mental and self-esteem problems if necessary. There will generally be a few different points of care for a person experiencing BED, and this will depend on the severity, the duration of the illness, and the independent goals of the individual. Your local GP is a great first point of contact to refer you to other healthcare professionals and to help create a plan for your treatment. And once a person is actually diagnosed, so we talked about that just just before, professionals who may be involved afterwards include a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a dietitian, a family therapist, and even a social worker in some cases. Some common therapy options include cognitive behavioral therapy. So this is CBT and interpersonal therapy. So we'll start with CBT. This focuses on analyzing the relationship between negative thoughts, feelings, and behaviors directly relating to eating, to body shape, and to weight, and then strategies and interventions to kind of change these thought patterns are developed. And this is generally with a professional, so a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, whoever that might be for a person. Interpersonal therapy is based on the idea that BED is actually a coping mechanism for unresolved problems or unresolved trauma. And this is all about identifying the problem and then creating changes over a certain period of time or a number of weeks. And this can actually be done either one-on-one or in group therapy. Of course, the interventions put in place will need to be worked out differently depending on the person. This is just a guide for what may happen for a person experiencing this disorder. Some other treatment options might include medication, and this could be for mental illnesses that occur as a result of BED. So that is some treatment that you can get going through a GP. What are some things that a person might be able to do just on their own? I will reiterate here though, uh, medical help or intervention should always, 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 always be your first option. Um, I can't stress that enough, always. But some other strategies that you might adopt with intervention from a medical professional is keeping things like a food diary and a mood diary. So this can help to identify triggers. So there might be something in particular that is triggering a person to have a binge eating episode talking to someone for support. That's the importance of checking in with people in our lives. Listen to How's Your Head for some inspiration for that. 
Practicing mindfulness around eating could be really helpful for some people. This just increases awareness when eating and that takes away distraction. So like watching Netflix or, you know, whatever else it might be, being on your phone, it allows people to really concentrate on what they're doing. Getting enough sleep is a really, really big one. And being physically active or creating a plan to be physically active might be really helpful. This is just because being active produces feelings of wellness and of course can boost our mood and actually give people that dopamine hit that maybe they feel like they're lacking in other ways. And the last bit here that we're going to talk about and learn about is finding help. If you or someone that you know might be experiencing BED, seek help from someone that you trust or a medical professional as soon as possible. I said it again, the earlier the better, especially if you feel like this is impacting quality of life, happiness, or concentration. And if someone confides in you, remind them that they are not alone, there is help available, and that you are there for them. If this might be too much for you and maybe someone is experiencing it, it could be triggering for you or whatever else, there are a lot of points of contact that can help you as well and help you to help the other person. Now, these resources and websites, uh, I will say them here, but they will all be in the show notes as well. The first one is Eating Disorders Victoria. They also have a podcast that is super informative that I found on their website. So I'll link that one as well. The National Eating Disorder Collaboration, which I touched on earlier. Lifeline 131114. The Butterfly Foundation. Their contact number again is 1-800-334673. And there are also many support groups available. I found a few just through a quick Google search. So wherever you are in the world, if you search BED support group and then your area, you should be able to find something. If you struggle, contact your GP. GPs will generally have pamphlets or information that can help you find this support as well. That is all for today's episode, guys. I hope you feel more informed about BED and the signs, the symptoms, and the treatment options available. Always support the people around you. Do not promote fad diet behaviors and remember to take care of yourself. If you are experiencing any of these signs, symptoms, or whatever else that we talked about today, remember that you are not alone. Please talk to someone. Even if this episode was maybe triggering for you, make sure you reach out, you talk to someone and you get the support that you need. There are lots of numbers. Refer to the show notes as well. Love you guys. Hope you have a fantastic week. I'll be back next week with no stupid qu- Oh, actually, I'll be back Thursday with a how's your head. Gosh, I'm almost forgetting. I'll be back Thursday with a how's your head. As always, thank you so much for the support. Remember to follow, subscribe, or like wherever you are. And please, if you like this episode, you think someone might benefit from listening to it, please share it along, whether that's on your social media. Make sure to tag me so I can reshare it as well. I just appreciate all the support so much. Have a great week. See you later.